That was so much fun. We had so much fun with those couples. Um, that was a few weeks ago now that we recorded it. But today, as Scott said, we're talking about roadblocks. And um, I'm here speaking because I have a specific story. Uh, I've been divorced, and so I'll share a little bit about my story. We'll look at scripture, and then hopefully we will all learn something about relationships through it. But before I start today, I just want to share that this is a stretch for me. This isn't something that I ever aspired to do or thought that I would do as far as sharing my story in this type of setting. But I say that only to say that God can do so much through our willingness. When we're willing to do something that's difficult or maybe scary, when we're willing to try to work for something, to love someone, um, and when we're willing to even possibly fail, God can do so much through that. So the series is about, or the, the service today is about roadblocks, and roadblocks is when something comes to an end. And so that's why we're talking about divorce. And divorce is super hard. It's really hard to go through. And you guys might have heard it said that God hates divorce. But I want everyone to know that as much as God hates divorce, he loves you more. He loves you more than the circumstances that you found yourself in. He loves you more than the decisions that you may have made. He loves us so much more than we could imagine. So I learned a while back that I could learn from watching people succeed in life. I could learn a lot from watching people succeed in life, watching how they do things, learning from what they did so I would know what to do. But we can also learn from watching people fail. So today I get to share from a point of failure and thankfully, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm humble enough to be okay with that. Um, and I say that, too, because it's hard to measure success and failure in relationships. It's super hard to measure. But when I think of a successful relationship, I think of something Josh said a few weeks ago. He said that, well, he was talking about friendships, but I'm just going to say relationships. Relationships need to be honest, or they need to be uh, real, honest, faithful, and committed. And I completely agree with that. Our friendships, our uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, spousal relationships, they should be real, honest, faithful, and committed. And if I were to add just one thing to that list, I would add vulnerable. And I know that's kind of a word that not everyone likes. It's maybe a word that scares us. But surface-level connections, surface-level relationships are easy. It's easy to say, hi, how are you? I'm fine, and then move on. When we can be vulnerable with each other, when we can be honest with each other, when we can share our successes and our failures, that's a deeper connection. But we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. So again, we don't hear about much, or we don't hear about divorce much in church because it's something that is really hard to talk about. It's hard to navigate, and unless you've been through it, it's hard to give advice. But God has so much to say about marriage and relationships, and how we should treat each other in that covenant relationship. He tells us that we should love one another, <clears throat> right? We should love one another. We should live a life that honors God. And a marriage relationship is meant to reflect God's relationship with his people. So my goal today with this message is to share my story, share some scripture, and through it, again, hopefully we'll learn a little something about relationships. So as Scott said before, all people, everyone, are either affected by, impacted by, or have experienced divorce. So if you have not experienced divorce yourself, yeah, if you have not experienced divorce yourself, I'm sure you know somebody who has, right? Um, 
So my story starts when I was younger. I grew up in a home um, that was not a Christian home. We didn't go to church every, every Sunday. My parents, their generation, they were forced to go to church. So when they had children, they made a decision that they would not force us to go to church. And looking back on that now, I'm so thankful that God is who he is. Because even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home or go to church with my family, he always planted us in places where people did take me to church. So I can remember being as young as five years old and having a neighbor who took me to church every Sunday. And I remember being in middle school and having a friend, you know, we moved and, and finding a friend who would take me to church with her family every Sunday. And then when I was in high school, my grandma actually came down for a visit and she got me started in catechism. So even though I, I wasn't in a Christian home, God found ways to sprinkle his knowledge and his love in my life. Um, but when I was in catechism, that's when I really wanted to understand things. I wanted to know more about God. And I remember one summer just like being so determined, reading the Bible over and over and over again. I read it at least four times one summer, trying to understand it. But out of frustration... Um, I just couldn't. It was so hard for me to wrap my mind around, and I didn't have people in my life who I could go to and talk to about it. I didn't have anybody to process it with. So um, out of frustration, again, I just decided to not continue going to church, and I ended up just living a life that was for myself, doing what I wanted. And um, I was a good person, but I definitely didn't consult God in all my decisions. So that lasted for a few years and I met somebody and we fell in love um, as much as two kids from broken homes could fall in love and we started our life together and it was really great for a few years I thought I had found my one you know the one we all wait for the one we all um, dream about the one I was going to spend forever with but unfortunately <clears throat> that did not happen Roughly about seven years later, I had my two beautiful baby girls, um, but things began to change pretty drastically, pretty quickly. Um, we didn't know until after the divorce, but it, we would eventually find out that he had a few uh, mental illnesses. He was diagnosed with a few mental illnesses, and that, paired with drug abuse, caused him to be a very mean person, uh, very violent, and um, it was just a very difficult thing to go through. And sometimes, I say that to say that sometimes we find ourselves in situations that are really hard, right? We don't see a clear way out. We don't see a clear answer. We don't see a clear right or wrong. And at that time in my life, I loved two things about myself. I loved that I was decisive, meaning I made decisions really quickly and I never went back on my decision. And I also, everything was right or wrong. There was no in-between, there was no gray area, everything was right or wrong. So for me to be in a situation where I couldn't see a way out and I didn't understand it, it was really challenging. But God is so good, he met me in that place, right? That's when I started going to church, that's when I started attending here at Journey and started learning a little bit more about God. And I started to learn about this God who loves me so much, and I began to see things a little differently. He began to show me things that I didn't notice previously. And I believe that in that moment, God started to teach me empathy. Empathy is when we seek to understand, right? Rather than compartmentalize things, we seek to understand it. Or rather than to correct things, we seek to understand it. 
So today we're going to look in the book of Ephesians, um, chapter 5. And I love this book, but it starts off with, so 5, 1, and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And the scripture goes on to say, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So there I was, 25, two beautiful baby girls and nothing else to my name. Uh, my ex-husband and I co-parented for some time and it became increasingly dangerous for me to continue to co-parent with him. And one day it totally exploded and I'll spare you the details, but we haven't seen or spoken to him since that day. Um, and at that point in my life, Hearing scriptures like Ephesians were really hard. It was really hard. It sometimes made me feel like a failure or like I had messed up. You know, there was the dominoes that were my life and I nudged one out of place and now everything was never going to be right again. Um, like I didn't deserve the happiness or the love that other people in successful marriages had. I felt less than or not enough. And I'm sure many of you on some level can relate to that feeling. It might not be because of a failed marriage or a failed relationship, but I'm sure we've all had a sense of that before. The scripture goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as, they, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I love this text in Ephesians because, again, it shows us how our marriages are supposed to reflect God's relationship with us, his love for us. A marriage is a covenant relationship between a husband, a wife, and God. We are to live lives that honor God. We are to love each other, especially our spouses, well. But sometimes our relationships just don't reflect that scripture. Sometimes we're not submitting to each other, we're not loving each other well, and, and in my case, um, we're just hurting the ones we love the most. So how can we have better relationships? How can we help our friends who are going through difficult times like a divorce? There's three things that I would suggest. The first is to be present. So if you're going through a hard time or if, if you know someone who's going through a hard time, be present. The scripture started with, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So follow God's example, walk in the way of love. If you do those two things, you're doing great, right? Follow God's example, walk in the way of love. Sometimes when we think of a divorce or abuse or a breakup, in our attempt to understand it, we minimize it. And it's not an intentional thing, it's not, a, it's not intended to be hurtful, but um, it's just kind of how our minds try to wrap around what's going on, something we don't understand. And so what that looked like in my life, after that final um, attack, many people came to me and would ask me questions, and it was out of concern. It wasn't, they weren't trying to be hurtful, I know that. But they would say, well, what did you do to cause this? 
Like, what did you do? How did you make him so mad? Or um, they would say, why didn't you just fight back? Or why didn't you defend yourself? And that's hard because for me, I never would have imagined that I would be in that scenario, so I couldn't be prepared for it. There was no way to be prepared for that, right? But again, that's my friends trying to understand something. They unintentionally minimized it. So I would just say, like, when you're being present, try to be mindful of those things. Know that sometimes, even unintentionally, you can say something that is hurtful or um, that unintentionally causes harm. So the good thing is, like, now I can look at those questions and not be mad about it. I know that it's our human desire to understand, and sometimes when we don't, we just try to figure out more, what's more to the story. Um, We assume there's more to the story. But today... There's a few things that I want to say when we're being present, too. First, you may never know what happened, and that's okay. You may never know what happened, um, but just be present for your your friends. You you may never understand what happened, and that's okay. Um, Another thing, as Christians, it's not our job to stop all divorces. It is our job to give wise and godly counsel, right, to love people well, but it is not our job to stop all divorces. That is between the divorced couple and God. That is not our place. It is our job to support them through it. And I want to say this one more time. If you've ever been through divorce, if you've ever experienced divorce, know that God loves you. I know that's hard to remember. It's hard to believe, but he loves you so much. So we can be present, and we can be above reproach. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I love that scripture. It's so short, but it's so powerful. Because of who Christ is, Right? That changes my behavior. That changes who I am. So it, divorces are hard. And in my situation, it was super hard. And in all situations, it's really hard. But we as people, we tend to want to explain. We want to um, give reasons why we did certain things. And I would say we, in our attempt to explain, in our attempt to talk, try not to make your spouse or your ex-spouse the evil one or the bad guy, right? Because it's so easy in anger to point out everything they did wrong and act like we did nothing wrong. But um, that's not helpful. It's not truth. It's not honest. Uh, And in your attempt to tell the truth, you're defending yourself. And when we're defending ourselves, it's self-seeking. It's just trying to make me feel better about a decision that I made or something that happened. So... As hard as it is, like when my kids, so this all happened in the span. My kids were one and three when we got divorced, and then they were in second and fourth grade in the last, the last time they saw their father. So you could imagine in all those years, they had many questions. They had many um, questions, and they had other people who were influencing them, right, saying certain things. So they would come to me and ask me, Mom, why did you do this, or why did you say this, or what happened here? And when they were little, I would say, Oh, honey, you don't need to worry about that. That's adult business. It's easy. A lot of parents will want to jump in and defend or tell the truth, but it puts your children in a situation where they're being a tug-of-war, right? And one's telling them this, one's telling them that, and they don't know which way to go. So it's so confusing for them. So I would say, you know, take the high road, be above reproach, and we're not going to talk about that. There are certain topics that are off-limits, and we're just not going to talk about it, especially with your children. And even now, my daughters are 16 and 18, There's only two things I want them to know about their father. I want them to know that he loved them as best as he could, and and he still loves them today. I'm sure that every day he thinks about them. 
That's all they need to know about their father. And so, again, don't defend your actions. That's self-serving. The second thing is forgiveness. Forgiveness is super hard in a divorce situation. There's so much connection, so much history, but we need to forgive everyone who hurts us. If I'm willing to accept God's forgiveness for me, right, that covers all sins, everything, then I need to be willing to forgive everyone who hurts me as well. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, we need to forgive. And another thing, like with my daughters, something that I like to teach them, and so I'll share it with you guys too, is there's people who intentionally hurt you and have no remorse, no regret, then that's something where you need to start to maybe protect yourself. And I say we forgive, but we limit our access, right? I forgive you, I love you, but I can't spend time with you. So in my situation with my ex-husband, that's exactly what happened. I forgave, but I had to limit access out of protection for myself. So just know that forgiveness and allowing the person the access to you, they aren't tied. If they're remorseful and if it's a good relationship and you're trying to move forward, then of course forgive and continue the access. But if you need to, you have to protect yourself and limit the access. Now, where that doesn't work is in a marriage. Because, like I said before, our marriage reflects our relationship with God and we would never limit access with God, so we don't want to do that in our marriage as well. So, if you are in a marriage and you feel like you're starting to limit access to certain places or you're starting to um, protect yourself in certain ways, know that it's okay to reach out. It's okay to get some help and talk to somebody because by God's design, we're meant to do life in community. We're not meant to fix everything alone. We're not meant to do everything alone, right? By God's design, we are meant to have people around us that support us, have people that help us go through difficult times. So if you're here today or watching online, know that it's okay to cry for help. It's okay to um, cry out to God and find people who you can confide in. And another thing with being above reproach, just remember that when, specifically in like dating and married couples, the last experience you had is not every experience. So however your last relationship ended is not how every relationship's gonna end. So if I have a boyfriend or girlfriend who cheated and lied to me and was manipulative, not everyone's like that. So once you close the chapter and that, you need to move forward and not think that everyone's gonna be like that. And in a marriage, if there was a lie that was said or a hurt that happened, every time your spouse opens their mouth, you can't treat it as a lie. And how do we do that? It sounds easy, but it's super hard. So talk about it, pray about it, and release it. When there's something that happens, especially in a marriage relationship or in a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship, if something happens and you are hurt, you talk about it, pray about it, and release it. Because holding on to past hurts is only going to hurt you and your relationship in the future. So I always had a very jaded view of love. I grew up in a home where my biological parents were very on and off again, so I didn't see a good picture of love growing up. And in even extended familial relationships with aunts, uncles, I didn't have a lot of examples of what love looks like and what um, love is. So again, I had a very jaded view of love. And when it came time for me to date in like middle school and high school, I didn't take anything seriously. 
I would say, love isn't real. Anyone who thinks they're in love is a fool. And I thought I was protecting myself, right? But really, I was building a brick wall around my heart and around my mind so I wouldn't get hurt by love. I was avoiding having actual feelings for the people that I was in relationships with. But thankfully, now as an adult with a connection to Christ, I don't feel the need to protect myself anymore. I can choose restoration through him, right? The one who makes me whole, the one who restores my soul. And I could stand here today being vulnerable with you all and encouraging you to do the same. So we can be present, we can be above reproach, and we can be restored. To make her holy, cleansing her, by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without a stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. I'm here to challenge everyone at every relationship stage, whether it's with your friendships, with a dating relationship, or even in a marriage relationship. If you're in any way trying to protect your feelings or protect yourself from getting hurt, know that God is here. Know that he's ready to heal all of the previous hurts that you've had in your life. And if you're ready, he will restore you and help you get back to the love described in this Ephesians passage, one that isn't hindered by hurt, isn't hindered by being afraid of getting hurt, one that's humble enough to let go, humble enough to release the situation, the pain, and the confusion. He'll allow your relationships to be both healthy and God-honoring. Not perfect, but healthy and God-honoring. So pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for um, how you work in our lives, how you lead us, how you use us. I pray for each and every person sitting in the room and watching online, Lord, that we would have good friends, that we would be good friends, and that we would begin to be vulnerable with each other, be honest with each other, allow deep, meaningful connections to happen. God, I pray for every dating relationship that you would protect them, Lord, that you would lead them, guide them, direct them in every choice that they make. And God, for every marriage in the room and watching online, God, I just pray that you would connect them. Allow, them, allow this year to be the most connected, the most um, loved, that they feel, Lord, and I pray that you would continue to lead them towards each other and towards you. God, I pray your blessing over every relationship that we have now and every relationship that we'll have in the future. I love you for all that you do, Lord, all that you are. I thank you for all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.